Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Good to see you. Welcome to Life Community. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Tim. I have the privilege of pastoring here at Life Community. I just want to echo what Alyssa said a moment ago, and that's if you've not taken that step of baptism yet, I want to really encourage you to sign up and go public with your faith here in a couple weeks when we do a baptism. Um, before we get into the message, construction's coming along. As you can see, we are getting real close, hoping to wrap up um, all the major stuff here in September. And I got to tell you, ladies, um, they've put up some par- toilet partitions this week. So, yeah. So it's not going to be much longer, and we will unveil the new uh, restroom wing and kitchen and all of that. So we're excited about that. And then uh, as we head through September, mark your calendars, the weekend of October 5th and 6th, we are planning to do kind of a re-grand opening. And we're going to send a mailer out. We're going to invite the whole community to come on out. We'll have an open house, some barbecue. And then that Sunday night, we're going to have a blowout, fun worship night uh, together with some of the other worship pastors from the other vineyard churches in town and just celebrate what God's done and say thank you and kind of commission this uh, newly rebuilt facility to him. And so we'd love to see you come on out to that and invite family and friends. So that's going to be October 6th. Well, if you are uh, just joining us or here for the first time in a while, we're in a short series. After 50-some weeks in the book of Luke, we are in a short series on making wise choices. And just to recap real quick, uh, this series really centers around this question. We introduced it a couple weeks ago, and it's really basic, it's really simple, but it's really powerful. And that question is, what is the wise choice for me? What's the wise choice for me? And and there's three different grids to kind of process this question through. One of them is when I'm honest with myself about my weaknesses, when I'm honest about my past track record. You know, last time I got myself into this situation, when I'm honest about my motives in this, you know, what's the wise choice? And then in my current season of life, you know, maybe as a newlywed or maybe, you know, with little kids in the house or maybe I've just been through a really bad breakup and I'm vulnerable right now. Is this step the wise choice for me to take in that, in my current season of life? And then when I consider my future, when I have, I have hopes and dreams for the future, I want my kids to grow up and follow Jesus. Is this next career step a wise move? Is, are my priorities lined up the way that I, my hopes and dreams are? <clears throat> and we said this question is oftentimes more powerful than just asking what's the right thing to do. Because we can talk ourselves into a lot of things by saying, well, it's not wrong, it's not a sin, when this question of what's the wise choice really brings a lot of clarity to us. And then last week, we introduced what I think is one of the most critical keys of making wise decisions, and that is... <clears throat> aligning ourselves with how God made the world to be or trusting him and obeying him even when we don't have all the information. Trusting that he is God and we're not and so he knows best. And we said that there's, there's an experience and an encounter and a depth and a level of intimacy with God that you will never experience in your life until you're willing to simply trust and obey. And so I gave you some homework last week, and so we're not going to put it up on the screen here, but I gave you some homework, a memory verse, and so I want to see if you did it, okay? So here, if you, if you did it, it's uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. You can just out loud right now say it with me. Here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. 
Good job. I heard a lot of voices out there. So well done. So here's what we're going to talk about today. We are going to talk about what are the most important components of making wise choices, and that is getting an objective perspective, an objective perspective, or another way to say that is seeking wise counsel in your life. And I'm just willing to bet that some of the dumbest things you've done in life have been because you didn't seek or listen to an objective perspective. Anybody want to say, yep, that's me, right? Some of the dumbest things you've done are because you didn't seek wise counsel in your life. When I was 13 years old, I was on this ministry trip with my parents all throughout Europe. We were there for five months. And I remember we, we would ride trains everywhere because we had a Eurail pass. And so we were in the middle of, of Italy, like the middle of nowhere. We're headed down to Rome, and we're on this train. And this train just uh, it stops out in the, at the station in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there's like a concrete platform and one little shack and nobody around. And I, I get up because I'm wondering what's going on, and you know, I'm inquisitive. I'm 13, and I start wa- wandering around, and I go down out to the end of one of the, the train cars, and I poke my head out the door because the doors are wide open. The train stop, doors open. We're just sitting there, and so I, I start looking around, like, "Wow, I wonder what's going on here." And I look down, and I think I could jump off this train. Now, if you're not, if you've never been a 13 year old boy, you're like, "Why would you even think that?" <laughs> But if you're thir- you've been a 13-year-old boy, you understand, don't you? You're like, it's not that far down. I could jump off this thing and jump back on. Because it's been sitting there for, you know, for 30 minutes or something, not going anywhere. And so I kind of, you know, I didn't go ask my mom, because if I had it, she would have said, that's, yeah, don't be an idiot, right? <laughs> that's what she would have said, and she would have been correct. Um, but I, I didn't, right? I didn't go and seek an objective perspective in my life for this decision. I just worked up a little bit of courage. It took me a minute. And then I jumped off of this train onto the platform. And I kid you not, the millisecond my feet left the side of that train, I hear the brakes release and the doors start to close behind me. And you remember like the old uh, Wiley Coyote where he goes off the cliff and his legs are like backpedaling? That was me. And so I, I still to this day don't know how I do it. I was, must have been spring-loaded because my feet hit that platform and I just launched myself back into the train right as the doors closed. And then my heart's beating, you know. And I stand up and I go back and I sit down with my parents. And then I did another dumb thing, which was tell them what just happened. <laughs> And they freaked out because they're like, what would you have done? Because I didn't know a word of, I didn't speak a word of Italian, except for gelato. I learned that one really quick. Um, I didn't speak a word of Italian. I didn't know where we were going, who we were staying with. All I knew is we were headed to Rome, right? And they're like, what would you have done? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess I would have called grandpa back home. You know, that's like the only thing that, came to mind. And so, you know, I did not seek an objective perspective. And thank God that um, I, I got back in those doors before they closed, right? Otherwise, I might be speaking Italian <clears throat> and eating lots of gelato. So, you know, there could have been some perks to this whole thing. But hey, that's kind of fun. That's kind of silly, right? But, but I'm just saying, like, many of you right now are actually in a place where you're facing a significant decision in life. And if you're not right now, just wait, wait a little while, wait a season, and, and you're going to find yourself in 
a circumstance where you're facing a significant decision about which way do I go? Do I go right or do I go left? Do I go forward? Do I stop? Do I, do I back off, right? And you're gonna be facing a significant decision in life. And when we talk about making big decisions in life, um, Solomon, the wisest guy who ever lived up to Jesus, he said this in the book of Proverbs. This is what he says about major decisions and about this topic of getting an objective perspective. He says, where there is no guidance, a nation falls. In the abundance of counselors, there is much wisdom. He says this, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. This is kind of interesting because Solomon, who's the wisest guy who ever lived, if anybody didn't really need counselors, it would have been him, right? He could have kind of just figured it all out on his own. But Solomon understands something about human nature. Even with all his wisdom being the smartest guy around, he understands something about human nature. Let me just ask a question. How many of you know some really smart people who have done some really dumb things in their life? Yeah. See, because smarts are no insulation from paying the dumb tax. Trust me. I've just seen it over and over again. Being wise doesn't stop you. See, because Solomon understands this thing about our us and human nature. And that is when it comes to us making decisions about ourselves, we are not an objective perspective. You, you just don't have an objective perspective when it comes to making major decisions for yourself. Your emotions are, you're too close to the situation. Your emotions are too tied up in it. Let me just ask you this. Have you ever watched, you know, say a friend or a family member go down a path and then they landed in a place where their life became a train wreck and then they said this, I just didn't see it coming. And you're like, are you kidding me? Everybody saw it coming. This was crystal clear. We all saw this coming and they just, I didn't see it coming. And sometimes they're really smart, intelligent people, right? You're like, how could you not see that? It's because they don't have an objective perspective. Some of you have seen this in, in young people's lives. I'm going to talk a lot to the young people in the room here today. Because if you can get this stuff when you're, you know, in your teen years or early 20 years, man, you will save yourself so much heartache in life. But some of you have seen this with young people going down a road in relationships. And, and you know, relationship ends very badly, and they're like, I didn't see it coming. And you're like, are you kidding? That guy? You know, or he's kind of a project. You're like, really? I, I, I see where this road is leading. Years ago, we had um, a friend, a young lady, and uh, she started dating this guy. And we're like, really? And she couldn't see it coming. But we saw it from, from miles down the road, and sure enough, ended in heartache. And we, we just don't have an objective perspective when it comes to us. Maybe it's somebody in your life, you, you watch this, the, the relationship, and you're like, you know, she, she talks to her husband that way, and, and you can see it coming, right? You can see where it's leading to. Or you're watching a, a young married couple, and they're like, just borrow their way into serious debt. And man, they're driving nice and, and they're living up, you know, they're, they're upgrading all the time. But you can see where this road is leading. And before you know it, here comes heartache. Here comes crushing, painful debt. 
here comes bankruptcy. And we talk to them, they're like, well, you know, I just couldn't see it coming. And everybody else is like, you got to be kidding me. You know, you all have seen train wrecks getting ready to happen in family and friends, but you can't see it in yourself so many times. Your emotions get caught up in the decision. And then sometimes we say this really stupid thing to each other or to ourselves. And that's this. And let me just speak to the young ladies in the room here, okay? Young ladies, if you hear a friend or, or somebody tell you this advice, oh, just listen to your heart. Bad idea. I'm telling you, bad idea. You need to listen to your mama, okay? Because <laughs> here's the thing. Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart is going to lie to you. Your heart's going to tell you what you want to hear. You listen to your mama. She's going to tell you the truth when it comes to that guy. She's going to tell you the truth when it comes to that situation that you're considering, that road you're considering walking down, okay? You're not an objective perspective when it comes to your own stuff. And this is why you need so desperately an objective perspective in your life. And today we're, today we're going to look at five keys. I know most of the time I've got one thing for you to remember. You may want to take notes because I've got five points today. And we're going to look at five keys to gaining an objective perspective in your life. And to get us there, um, I want to set up the conversation with actually a really tragic account from the life of one of King Solomon's sons. And during the, uh, the nation of Israel's glory days, I mean, it's superpower status. Under Solomon and David, they have uh, really built this nation into an incredible, incredible place, a military like none other. But they've also driven the people pretty hard during this time with all these construction projects. They've worked them really hard, and uh, they've built these massive buildings and palaces and the temple, and they've taxed them a lot. And at the end of King Solomon's life, the throne is passed to his heir, uh, his son named Rehoboam. He inherits the throne. And right after he is crowned king, the people of Israel gather together and they come to him with a request. And you see this in 2 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 3. It says this, All Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us. But now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we, he will serve you, and we will serve you. A heavy yoke is a burden they place on, a, uh, on, on an ox to plow a field. And so they're saying, you pushed a, a heavy burden on us, really heavy. And so we just need you to ease off a little bit. And if you do that, man, we will serve you. We will be dedicated to you. And so Rehoboam answered, come back to me in three days. And so the people went away. Now, he starts out with actually a pretty wise choice. He doesn't make a snap decision. He says, I'm going to give me some time to think this through. I'm going to process this. So then, verse 6, then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, if you will be kind to these people and please them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. He's doing pretty good now. This is two wise choices. Give me some time, going to really think this through, process this, not just make a snap decision. Be careful here. And then he consults the elders. 
And that's a very wise choice, and we'll talk about that in a second. He consults the elders, and they say, hey, if you just be kind to these people, man, you're going to capture their hearts, and, and things are going to go really well for you. But what we gather is he kind of already had his mind made up. He kind of already knew what direction he wanted to go with this thing. And so what we see in verse 8 is this. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him, you know, like the, the kid of the secretary of state, you know, and the, the chief priest and all these guys, his buddies that had grown up with them, all of a sudden, you know, he becomes king and they're jockeying for positions of power. He consults those guys. He asks them, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us. And so we see a couple things. Number one, he rejects the advice of those that were much more experienced than him. We don't see any indication that during this three days that he'd taken time to seek God. It doesn't tell us anywhere that he'd actually prayed about this choice or this decision. In fact, the text indi- indicates that his mind was kind of already made up. He kind of already knew what he wanted to do here. And so he goes to the guys that he knows will tell him what he wants to hear. And they get themselves all pumped up, you know, and answer him this way. The young men, verse 10. The young men who had grown up with him replied, the people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. They high-five each other. Yeah, right? And then the other guy chips in from here. Yeah, and say this, my father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. And they're like chest bumping, you know. Giving each other attaboys. It's football season, you know. They're doing all that, pumping each other up. And what does Rehoboam do? He sides with the young guys. He goes, that's what I want to be here. Yeah, I'll show him who's boss. I'll show him who's king. And so actually what he does is he doubles the load. And immediately, 10 out of 12 tribes of Israel split off and rebel. The kingdom is split. Never again to be unified. Never again to, never again to achieve anywhere close to the riches, the splendor, the, the, the power that the nation experienced under King Solomon. He took the advice from the wrong counselors. And this brings us to the first point, if you want to write these down. And this is so critical, young people in the room. That is this, be careful who you allow closest to you. Be careful who you allow closest to you. You see, this guy had a circle of friends, and the circle of friends who were closest to him were not the people he should have allowed closest to him. Parents, um, I've got news for you in the room. The number one influencer in your teenagers' lives is their friends, statistically. That didn't used to be the case back in, you know, say the 70s or 80s. You know, teachers, coaches, Pastors had a lot more influence, but right now, the number one influencer in your kids' lives are their peers. And you know this. You watch this, don't you? You watch this every day. And that's why it's so critical 
So critical, young people in the room, to, to be wise about choosing your friends, to not just go after those who have the popularity and the status and who, who you want to try to be like, but to go after friends who actually, if you say, I want to follow God, because I know for a lot of you, that's a big priority, right? Are you surrounding yourself with people in your life that want to follow God and that draw you towards God? Or are you surrounding yourself with people, if you're real honest with yourself, and like we said a couple weeks ago, it's so easy to lie to yourself, and the worst person you can lie to is yourself. I mean, don't lie to anybody. We know that, honesty and truth, but don't, don't lie to yourself, right? Don't deceive yourself. Are the people you're surrounding yourself with, the, the peers that you're surrounding yourself with, people who are going to draw you closer to God, closer to wise choices, or do you find yourself making dumb decisions again and again when you're with those people? And you know who those people are, don't you? And this isn't just young people in the room, is it, guys? Come on. Yeah, this, is, this doesn't stop when you graduate from high school or college. This doesn't stop after spring break, does it? This is, you got to be careful who you allow closest to you. That's why good friends are so important in our lives. The authors of the book, The Seven Checkpoints, that we use in our student ministry said this, our friends determine the direction and quality of our lives. Our friends determine the direction and quality of our lives. And boy, I've seen that in people's lives. I've experienced that in my life. Proverbs, Solomon wants to tell us how important good friends are. And a couple spots in, in Proverbs, he tells us. He says this, Proverbs thirteen twenty: He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Don't miss that. Now, let me just ask, let's do a quick statistical poll. How many of you at some point in your life have suffered some harm because of the fools you were hanging out with? Come on, raise those hands high. Young people, look around the room. Get this. If you can get this when you're young, this will make all the difference in the world in your life. Solomon says this, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Some of you are pursuing friends because of status, because uh, they're cool, because you, you like what they drive or where they live or, or, or whatever, and you just want to be more like them, and you're, but they're, they're not going to be reliable friends, are they? The author, uh, Bob Merritt, the author of a book called Get Wise, says this, don't ruin your life by trying to keep up with people who don't even care about you that much. Rather, invest in a few friends who will stick closer to you than a brother. I think that's really good advice. In fact, I think social media is one of the biggest things that keeps you wanting to try to pursue and keep up with people that really don't even care about you. It allows you the illusion to think, well, look at all these 800 people that are my friends. No, they're not your friends. You know them. You've met them. But basing, and, and we do this all the time, don't we? Basing the way you feel about yourself based on the number of Instagram you know, hearts and all that stuff, it's unreliable. And it's going to just lead you down the path of pain and heartache. You need to be careful who you allow closest to you. Now, I'm not saying don't have friends that aren't followers of Jesus. I think that's, we need to be reaching out, having great relationships with people that aren't followers of Jesus yet, right? Be influencing people's lives. I'm just saying, 
be really careful, watch really carefully those you allow to be in your inner circle, those you allow to be closest to you. I think, was it uh, Stephen Covey? He said, you're gonna be like the average of your, the five people you're closest to, if you're five closest friends, right? Are, are, are the people you allow closest to you drawing you towards God and towards wise choices or away from him? You know, some of my real young childhood regrets came from some neighbor friends who I allowed to become part of my closest circle. And when I look back, gosh, I'm so thankful that they ended up moving away down the road and, and we ended up drifting apart when I started heading into middle school and high school because I got connected with friends that were really good friends and who, who influenced me. Now, we did some dumb stuff, but they, they influenced me largely to follow God. And I'm so thankful for that as I look back. Friends are, are, are gonna be your number one influencer. And so be careful who you allow closest to you. And for Rehoboam, man, this was a costly mistake. This was a costly mistake. You know, because every step you take higher in leadership, the stakes get higher. Your life doesn't just affect you or, or a handful anymore, just your family even. All of a sudden, there's all, all kinds of other people relying on you. And so Rehoboam allows people close to him and it costs him so much. So the second thing is this, that when it comes to seeking and gaining an objective perspective in your situation and your decision and in your life, you need to seek a broad perspective. Seek a broad perspective. And and here's the other thing. Rehoboam, he kind of had his heart and mind already made up. And so he he went and he sought advice from someone just like him that he knew thought the way that he did and would tell him what he wanted to hear. These young guys. And this is a real trap that if you're in the place where you are facing a major decision in life, you need to seek a broad, don't just find people who are just like you in your stage of life. You need to consult some people who are older than you who are more experienced than you, who have been around the block a time or more than you have. You need to seek a wide, a broad perspective of counsel. Let me just ask, whose counsel should have more weight? Older people or younger people? Yeah. Now, here's what I'm not saying. You you need to, especially if you're in an organization or in leadership, you need to consult the young people in your midst too, Right? We do this all the time. I'm very intentional in our staff culture of building a culture where we're always listening and including and, and drawing out the advice of the youngest people on our staff. Why? Because we want to have a church where young people, people in their teens and 20s can come in and feel connected and feel like they belong here, right? And so it's critical if you're running an organization that wants to connect with younger people that you seek the counsel of younger people too. But I'm just saying, when it comes to major life decisions and things you're facing, you should weigh pretty heavily on those who are elders. There's a reason elders are called elders, you know, because they're a little older and they've been around the block a time or two and they've seen and experienced things that you haven't yet. Proverbs says that gray hair is a crown of glory. Years in the saddle do matter, don't they? They matter. And you can save yourself a world of heartache by having a simple conversation with somebody who's been down the road before. And just, you know, young people, your parents and grandparents know some things. 
I know they're a little nerdy sometimes, you know. I, I, I know I'm getting to be one of them, you know. They're a little nerdy sometimes, but they, they know some things. They've experienced some things. Pay attention to that. Your youth pastors, pastors, they've seen a lot of lives and the way that it's gone for a lot of lives. Pay attention to the things they're saying. Don't just blow them off. You know, I had a, a time in my life where I got into this mix. I had a friend of mine who also was not real experienced in this area, and he got me into a, this, this cool stock uh, thing. Now, I was, I think, in my 20s or maybe even a little older. But anyway, I was not experienced in this area of my life, right? I, I didn't really know what I was doing when it came to this. And so he found this, this company. And what's, what was crazy is at the time, this seemed like a no-brainer to me because we, we had this stock option thing where we were buying stock at 25% of the cost it was currently trading for. We just had to hold it for six, for six months until the company went public. And then at that point, um, at that point, we could sell it and make a killing, right? And it all sounded great. It's like, this is a no-brainer. And so for me, I dumped, I dumped way, I mean, not like a ton of money for some of you. It wouldn't, for some of you, this would be like, you know, not, nothing. But for me, several thousand dollars. It was, it was way more money than I had any business putting into something like this. I dumped that in there thinking, man, this is going to be the thing that launches me over into this next thing. And then over the next six months, I watched as that stock, it was trading at a dollar something, ticked downward, downward downward, downward, downward to less than a penny. But all of a sudden, this great investment that was going to make me all this money turned into nothing, literally nothing. I still have it. I'm like, pull it out. I'm like, all right, eight cents. <laughs> it's a good reminder. And so I learned the hard way that single stock investments are incredibly risky, even if they look like no-brainer things, because you cannot predict the future. I learned that the hard way. Had I taken the time to ask somebody who had been down that road and I had actually listened to them, you know what they would have told me? This kind of investment is very risky, and oftentimes what happens is you get into these things and then it just tanks. But I didn't seek an objective perspective. I just took the advice of somebody who had about the same level of experience as I did. And we got into this thing thinking it would be a great deal and didn't, didn't go well, right? And so seek a broad perspective. Seek advice from people that know more than you, who are older than you, that have been around the block. Seek the input of those younger and then weigh it all and ask God to help you make a wise choice. Third thing is this. Understand your counselor's relationship with you. Understand your counselor's relationship with you. You see... Rehoboam's friends at this point, he'd just become king and his buddies now are jockeying for power and position in his new government. You know, elbowing, who's gonna, who's gonna be the chief, you know, the prime minister? Who's gonna get all these positions? I want that mansion down there. I want the governor's mansion. And so they tell him exactly what they know he wants to hear in the situation. And so you gotta understand, if you're seeking counsel 
and advice from somebody, you got to understand their relationship with you. Be very careful of people who are only going to tell you what you want to hear. Because there's probably a motive behind that. The other side of that is be careful um, when somebody is just too close to you. Sometimes you need to get advice of somebody that's not so closely connected to you. Because they just don't have an objective perspective. They just love you too much. Um, I call this the my mama told me I can sing syndrome. <laughs> I had a lot of years as worship pastor, right? And, and so I, I tell people, like, if, if they wanted to come to an audition and the only th- person that's ever told them they can sing is their mom, I'm always like, red flags, red flags, right? You might need somebody other than your mama tell you that you can sing. Just saying, you know. Because your mama loves you so much. Everything you do is amazing, right? You're a genius, you're a special snowflake. Yes, you are. <laughs> Here's the trophy for, for participation. <clears throat> so you, you got to seek advice from people. So just understand your counselor's relationship. Employers, do your employees know that it's okay to disagree with you? I think that's critical. We try so hard to build a culture around here where we have multiple voices and we go back and forth and it's just, we talk about things and if we don't agree, we go back and forth on it, right? It's good because that's how you, you get outside objective perspective. That's how you begin to move forward. It's a very important thing. All right, number four, seek counsel from those who will pray for you and encourage you to follow God. If you're a follower of Jesus, one of the most important things you can do is not just seek advice from smart people or experienced people. That's great. You can weigh that. But make sure you, you seek advice from people who will actually go and pray for you and seek the Lord with you about whatever decision you're facing and listen to God and then come back and have a perspective that isn't just built on, you know, well, I think this is a good idea, but come back with a perspective of actually, you know what? Here's what I'm, I think maybe, have you considered this scripture in, in the situation? Have you, have you prayed about this? Here's what I think God might be leading you to. And then those that will encourage you to follow God. See, because something important is your, your counselors or your leaders in your life may be godly people who seek God, but in your situation, they may not have, have actually stopped and even prayed about your situation. And so you, you got to seek God. Um, there's a story in the, in the book of Acts where he's actually got some really godly people in his life. And it's these elders. He's getting ready to go back from Ephesus to Jerusalem. And this whole group of elders walk alongside him and they're weeping and they're begging him not to go because they know persecution awaits him. They, they know it's going to be dangerous back in Jerusalem. And then actually there's this guy that's a prophet um, meaning he, God gives him insight about the future and he's been accurate. And so he comes up and he does this little drama to Paul. He pulls off his, his uh, tunic belt and he wraps it around his wrists and, and like strange prophetic types sometimes do. He does this whole drama and like gets down and goes, this is waiting for you. This is gonna happen. And Paul's just like, all right, can I have my belt back? 
You guys done with this little drama? And he goes, I know it's dangerous. He said, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I know it's dangerous, but this is where God's calling me to. This is where God's calling me to. That's why it's so important to have people that don't just love you, but will actually pray about your situation with you and seek God on your behalf. And as helpful as wise counsel can be, sometimes it can be wrong. That's why you always have to seek God's leading and and try to discern what God is leading you to. Which brings us to the fifth thing. Always seek wise advice and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's not either or. We have a value around here called both and. Like we, we aim to create services where both people who are brand new, never, never connected with the church before, and, and those that, you know, you, you've been in church way longer than me, know more of the Bible than me, where both of you can come and be challenged and encouraged and grow and move closer to Jesus. It's always both and. And in this situation, it's both and. You want to seek wise advice and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You want to get the best advice you can get and weigh it and pray about it and be led by the Holy Spirit. No matter how many counselors you have in life, it doesn't relieve you of the responsibility to ultimately seek God's leading for yourself and to make a wise decision. And I don't have time to get into the specifics of learning to discern God's voice. That's another series or another another message, which we'll do in the future. But it starts with really knowing his word, knowing what what scripture says. It starts with taking the time to listen to him, to seek him in prayer, and then learning to be attentive when he taps you on the shoulder, to to be attentive to the still, small voice of God. And we'll talk about that more in the future. But Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, but the counselor, you want a good counselor? This is awesome. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. I think it's just an awesome fact that our loving Heavenly Father would speak to us through his Spirit. And sometimes, here's the thing. Sometimes wise advice just doesn't cut it in the situation you're in. Sometimes you're facing a challenge in life that's so heavy, that's so painful, that just wise advice, it's helpful and you need it and you need to seek it out. But you need need the assurance of the Holy Spirit. You need to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes life circumstances are just too much. Sometimes you can know and, and have somebody tell you, you know, that Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But you need the Holy Spirit to just like impress that on your heart. That I'm with you. That assurance of his presence. Or sometimes the thing is that he's calling you to something that by any human measurement sounds kind of crazy. And you talk to some wise people in your life and they're like, Really? But when you know that you know that you know that it's God, it just changes everything, right? Sometimes God's calling us to something so much bigger than ourselves that you need to step out and and some wise people in your life are like, really? Now sometimes, you know, listen to them because sometimes you've discerned God's leading 
but you haven't discerned his timing. And wise counselors can help you discern his timing of, okay, God may be leading you into that, but let's talk about timing because oftentimes timing is as important in the equation as the leading, right, of getting the thing that God's calling you to get to. And so many times we rush into what we think God's calling instead of being patient and allowing him to work that in our lives. But I'm getting on a bunny trail. That's kind of a different sermon. But for some of you, I think that might be really timely. You're in a season you just need to wait on God. The founder of Youth with a Mission, Lauren Cunningham, Youth with a Mission is the largest non-denominational evangelical missions agency in the world. I joined Youth with a Mission when I was a lot younger and traveled and did missionary work all over the world with them. Great organization. In fact, a bunch of our guys today are still up there until right after lunch at Youth with a Mission Cimarron for man camp. And uh, I got to be with them Thursday night for the kickoff evening, and it's going great, and God's doing some really cool stuff in their lives. But that is one of hundreds of mission bases around the world. And Lauren Cunningham, who was part of a large denomination at the time, he came in and shared this vision. Literally, he had a vision from God of waves of young people rolling over the continents, and God was strongly leading him to, to start this missionary work. And he had to go into some of his denominational leaders and basically hear this this isn't for us. See, a lot of times godly leaders are seeking God, but maybe not for the specific thing you're praying about. That's why it's so important, that last point, to get people who will pray for you around what God's leading you towards. And so he had to step outside of that structure and step into what God was calling him for. And I'm so glad that he did. It had such a profound impact on my life and on so many, so many lives around the world and continues to today because he sought wise advice, but ultimately he listened to the Holy Spirit and he knew exactly what God was leading him to. So what do I want you to do with this? I want you to seek wise advice and learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit and follow him. I want you to listen and weigh the advice of others. Don't don't always obey it blindly. You listen and obey. I want you to think through those who you're allowing closest to you right now. Are they people who are drawing you towards wisdom? Are they people that are drawing you towards relationship with God, towards a deeper relationship with God? Are you, I want you to think through, are you seeking advice from just those who tell you what you want to hear? Or do you have people in your life who are older than you, more experienced? Are you including the voices of those younger than you in your organization or whatever you lead in your family? Are you weighing it all? Are you seeking out people who will really pray for you? Or are you listening to the Holy Spirit? I think it's so critical to have an objective perspective in your life. And if you're not in a season right now, like I said, where you're facing a decision where you need this, you will be soon. It's just the way that life works. So I just want to close by praying for you. If you want to stand, and if you're in the room and and you have not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus, that is the wisest choice you could make to embrace what he did for you when he died and rose again. And so as we close in prayer, 
There's no magic formula, but you, you just need to confess that you're a sinner and that you need him, that you can't do it on your own. Ask him to forgive you and to save you. Call on him. Commit to turn around from the life you've been living and follow him. And I hope you'll do that as we close in prayer. Father, I just want to pray for my friends here. I pray that you would place around them the people that need to be in their lives to speak into their lives in the situation that they're facing. Give them the the humility to seek out advice because it's not always easy. Don't let their pride get in the way. Lord, I pray that you will... uh, Speak to them so clearly through your Holy Spirit and then confirm it through the voice of many wise people to them what you're leading them to do and the decisions they're they're facing, Lord. And for those that are in just heavy places, would you speak to their hearts that you are with them, that you will never leave them or forsake them, Lord. Give them the strength to keep going. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.